Welcome to another episode of Teaching Candace History Podcast. I'm your host, Julia Richards, and in this special educator series, we're speaking with the finalists for the 2022 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created 26 years ago in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history and is an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to interpret and share the stories of the past. I'm sitting down with Louisa Farkasi. Why don't we start by introducing yourself? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your school or the students you teach? So uh, my name is Louisa, and I teach in the east part of Toronto for Toronto Catholic District School Board. Our school is called um, St. Joan of Arc Catholic Academy. Um, In terms of the students that we have at the school, we have, I want to say, 95%, maybe 98% of our students come from minority groups. Um, They're coming from the Philippines and Sri Lanka. Uh, We also have a large group from South America. We're getting more students from Colombia. And I would say we're getting more African students as well. So definitely uh, a diverse population. Um, In terms of what I teach and how long I've been teaching, I've been at the school for 16 years and I'm the head of the Canadian and World Studies Department. So that's the um, the histories, geography, social science, uh, philosophy, things like that. Uh, What I most enjoy teaching is grade 10 history, which is the only history course that students in Ontario must take, Uh, the grade 11 ancient history, and I also like the grade 11 law and our grade 10 civics class. Do you want to tell us a bit more about your project? Okay, so the project, um, I called it Immigrant Voices, and I broke it up into, I want to say, four phases. So the first phase, um, and actually the project was funded by our board because our board um, had an experiential learning fund that was available. So I um, put in an application for the project. It was approved and I got some funds. So the first part of the project, and this is where the funds were used, my grade 10 academic history class attended three, actually two tours with Pier 21 Museum in Halifax and one workshop. So the two tours uh, were about different immigrant groups coming to Canada. So the first one was called um, Where Are You Really From? And that was about Asian immigration to Canada. And then the second uh, virtual tour was about Jewish immigration to Canada. So both the tours used primary sources like interviews um, and letters and journals to tell the story of immigration um, about these two immigrant groups. And then the third um, experience with Pier 21 was a workshop. So I had their oral historian um, designed a workshop for my grade 10 history class about conducting oral history interviews. Uh, This is probably my favorite part of the project um, because it was like the students really learning about doing history, like history as a discipline. So this, um, the historian went through sort of what the purpose of oral history interviews are, um, how you gain consent, how you construct a question guide, how you prepare for an interview, then how you create a transcript, um, so it was really the, the entire process of conducting an oral history interview. 
so after the two workshops and the tour, I always had a stu- the students um, complete exit cards. So these exit cards were questions like, what is the most important thing you learned today? Um, looking at the immigrant group tours, things like how does Jewish immigration differ from Asian immigration, you know, differences, similarities, what are some questions you have? And then for the third workshop, Um, about conducting oral history interview, you know, I had students consider what are some of the challenges you might face when conducting an oral history interview? Uh, What are you most excited about? Again, what did you learn? So that was the first part. Then the second part, I put students in groups and they constructed um, a question guide for their oral history interviews. And they were supposed to take what they learned in the workshop by the oral historian and apply it to their question guides. So the groups handed in the question guides, I evaluated that. And then from there, um, students conducted their oral history interviews. So they did have to get consent from the person uh, they were interviewing. And I did give them a standard form for that based on what we learned in the workshop. And they had to do a little pre-interview And then finally, they actually had to conduct the interview, which they had to record. Uh, Most of my students did it. um, This was during COVID. So most of my students interviewed either a grandparent or a parent. I had a couple who did it um, virtually as well. So after they conducted the interview, which had to be about an hour, the next phase was transcribing the interview. And that was a long process. My students said it took them hours to transcribe the interview because it really had to be in full. Every um, ah, uh, laughter, cough, all of that had to be in the interview. So then students submitted the transcript to me for evaluation. And then they were finally moving on to the last part of the project. And the last part of the project is students had to construct a historical narrative based on the transcript. So I like to say that, you know, students were co-authors in constructing the narrative because the words were entirely of the person they interviewed, but students were rearranging um, the order of what was said and they could cut things. So the words are entirely um, of their interview subject, but students were sort of, were able to edit the final product. So in the end, I was looking for something that was about 400 words in a magazine style layout. And then I wanted two photographs, one um, after shortly after the person immigrated to Canada, and then another more recent image. And that's the entire project. Then ultimately, um, I had kids share their work with each other. And we did that over Zoom, because again, this was all during COVID. And that's the project. That sounds incredible. I wish that I would have done that in high school. That sounds so fun. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I think most of the kids did too. Yeah, I bet. Um, Okay, well, what inspired you to develop this project? It really was the call from the school board because they sent out an email uh, that they had this experiential learning fund and I wanted to do something. It was during COVID and it was just, oh, I was not feeling inspired with the online learning and I really felt like I wasn't connecting with my students. I was like, I need something. I need to take advantage of being online. Um, And I always, you know, I would look at Pier 21, um, there's a lot of Italian immigration that came through Pier 21, and that is my background. So I would spend some time on that website. And I knew they had collections of interviews with immigrants. So I wanted to do something with interviews and storytelling. And really, um, that's where the idea 
came from. Experiential learning, you know, is having an experience and then applying what you've learned and doing something with the learning. Uh, so that's, I, I felt like, you know, uh, attending a workshop with an oral historian and then conducting an oral history interview um, is, is the experience. So that's, that's where the idea came from. That's amazing. And such a important skill for students to learn as well. Even um, just the preparation for the interview. I think that's another thing that students needed to learn how to, how to ask questions, how to then elaborate and get your interview subject to talk a little bit more. Um, so just, you know, those are like everyday life skills, being able to carry on an adult conversation and appearing professional. Yeah, absolutely. That can be challenging sometimes. Yeah, some of them were nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think is the greatest impact of your project? Um, for quite a few students, the impact was really learning about their parents. I think most of the students did interview their parents and just learning about what their parents went through to start this life in Canada. Because, you know, you're a teenager, you don't necessarily take the time to talk to your parents in this way, but that the project forced the kids to do this, you know, to take the time and have a deeper conversation with their parents. And, you know, hopefully it was a conversation where they were on the same level. It wasn't, you know, parent and child. It was, um, I'm going to say two adults <laughs> talking to each other. Um, so how do you keep your students engaged in history? How do you make it relevant for them? Ah, so this question. So with grade 10 history, again, I said it's the only course that Ontario students must take. And we have it divided in, in different levels. We have an academic level, uh, we have an applied level, and then we have a locally developed level. And I was thinking about, you know, how do I keep the different groups engaged? And it, it can be very similar. Definitely, I want to start my lesson, you know, we would call it some type of a hook. It can be a question that I pose to students sort of a bigger question, like the enduring idea I want students to walk away with. I'll somehow create a question um, around that and have students discuss that or try to ask them a question, you know, what if this happened to you? How would you react? What if the Canadian government did this? How would you react? Give them some type of a problem to discuss. Um, that's way one way I like to engage. I like to engage by using different primary resources. Um, students really respond to images, right? Uh, editorial cartoons, paintings, photographs, trying to get them to ask good questions about these images, even before we start the lesson. Um, and of course, you know, drawing upon their prior knowledge. Uh, that's another way you engage students. It also, students love working together. So I like to do, you know, partner work, small group work. Um, I like to get them presenting, creating. I guess another way I like to keep them um, engaged as well is to break up the class into chunks. You know, it's not, they're going to tune out if I'm talking for 75 minutes. So there needs to be a variety of things going on throughout a lesson. Um, all right. Well, that's that's all that I have. Um, did you have any final thoughts that you want to share? Something maybe you didn't get to touch on before? Oh, I guess sort of what I did. I wanted to mention what I did after with the project because typically, so this grade 10 history course is supposed to go up to 
you know, the 2000s. So you're starting at 1914 and you're supposed to cover a hundred years in one course. And it can be really challenging not to get bogged down in the wars. So I'm trying to almost, you know, really condense the World War I, World War II units so we can look at more post 1960s content. And that's really, again, what I was trying to do with the project um, to push beyond the 1960s. So we were able to look at the 1960s and how immigration and multiculturalism, how those, well, the immigration system changed and the points system came about and how multiculturalism, you know, became an official policy. So I was able to tie um, this project to that. And again, we were able to highlight how immigration changed in the 70s, 80s, and 90s to allow these immigrant groups to come to Canada in larger numbers. So this project was intended to really engage the students and sort of fit them in the narrative of Canadian history.